0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Well, hello everyone and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, founder of Alzheimer's Speaks Resource website, blog, and radio. My passion is to educate the world about Alzheimer's and memory loss, and that came to me through my mother's thirty year journey with memory loss. For those of you that are new to our show, I just want to give you a brief introduction what we're all about. Our goal here is to give voice to those afflicted with memory loss and empower them to live purpose-filled lives. We want to raise awareness, give hope, and share the real everyday life stories of living with Alzheimer's disease. Our channel expert living with the disease himself, Rick Phelps, I hope will be joining us today. I talked to him late last night and that's the game plan, so I'll keep my fingers crossed on that. Uh, For those of you that aren't familiar with Rick, Rick is the founder of Memory People on Facebook, which is a closed support group, which is absolutely phenomenal. And if you have not checked it out, um, I really encourage you to do so. It's for people with early memory loss who can still maneuver the computer, their family and personal caregivers, as well as professional caregivers, business professionals at large, working in the industry, and also just people who want to get educated or want to advocate for the disease. There's no pitching or selling, um, but it's really quite a dynamic group with a lot of subgroups within. So um, to to find that, just go to Facebook and in the search bar put in memory people and you can ask to join the group. On our homepage, you can find the links and contact information for both Rick and I, so please feel free to contact either of us if you have any questions um, or if you're thinking that you might be a good guest for the show, I would love to talk to you. Um, If you are listening via the phone and want to ask a question or make a comment, all you have to do is push one, and that will get you into my queue, and I will try to pull you in when there's an appropriate break in the conversation. And if you are listening via your computer, then you can use the chat box and just type in your question or comment, and I can pull you in that way. Today we have a very exciting show for you. Um, We have a Harvard researcher by the name of Rock Liao, and he is going to be with us um, sharing lots of great information. Rock has received his B.A. in Zoology at the National Taiwan University. He did his um, pre-doctoral research in neuroscience at the John Hopkins School of Medicine. And since then, he has been at the Harvard Medical School where he's working on his postdoctoral research in the neurobiology department. He has also won a couple of awards, the Ruth L. Kirstein National Research Service Award in 2009 and 2010, and then the Paul Ehrlich Young Investigator Award from the John Hopkins University of Medicine in 2007. Rock is also the co-founder and CEO of Neurox Pharmaceutical, Inc., and he's going to be talking to us a lot today about what they're up to. They've got some exciting things going on. He's also the inventor of the Neurox Core um, Technologies, which is a drug screening system using real brain cells and targeted imaging. And again, I'm going to let him go into all of that. And then he's also the founder of uh, and developer of Apps for You, which is um, devoted to development for iPhones, iPads, and iPods. So welcome, Rock. I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing today?
0: Good, good. Thank you, uh, Laurie, for the introduction. And I'm glad to be on the show today.
1: Wonderful. Was there anything that I missed that you'd like to share um, about yourself um, with the audience in your bio?
0: Um, that sounds about right.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, sounds sounds good. I always like to double-check because you never know. It's not beyond me to miss something. So, uh, Well, I guess to kick off, I always like to ask our guests um, this simple question um, about telling us about yourself and what your connection is to Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Sure. Um. So it's
0: actually a very long story, but, um, of course, I'm going to... To cut it short, so basically, um, as you just mentioned, that um, I'm studying neuroscience at Harvard Medical School right now. So, um, and I conduct research to show that um, um, how brain cells connect with each other and how these connections are modified. Uh, Brain cells uh, form connections with each other to communicate. uh, And in many neurological disorders, including uh, Alzheimer's disease, these connections are uh, gradually lost. So when brain cells uh, lose their connections, learning and memory will subsequently be impaired. Uh, In the past four years or so, uh, I've been working um, in the laboratory of Michael Greenberg, a department chair of neurobiology at Harvard. And uh, I'm a research fellow right now and uh, prior to joining his lab, uh, I did about six years of uh, doctoral training at uh, Johns Hopkins University uh, in the laboratory of uh, Dr. Kim Wai-Yao um, in the field of uh, vision research, uh, basically I studied a third type of photoreceptor in the retina, um, which is uh, very important uh, for regulating circadian rhythm and um, uh, treatment. So uh, I've been doing uh, this kind of basic research in the field of neuroscience for more than 10 years uh, now. And as you can probably tell by now by my accent, um, I'm not really an American, not yet. (laughs) Um, I was born born and raised in Taiwan uh, before coming to the United States uh, 11 years ago. And um, the country I came from um, is somewhat different from the United States. or uh, how elderly people are uh, perceived and uh, treated in society. Uh, The society in Taiwan, uh, from my understanding, and generally uh, in Asia, expects um, young people to particularly pay respect to and uh, take good care of uh, their older generations, Uh, just for example, we would yield feed to elderly um, public transportation. By the way, I believe many people also do so in the United States. I'm not saying that, you know, we are quite that different. I just want to point out a few things uh, happening in Taiwan. Well,
1: I think that's great. I, I think that's, that's good for all of us because, you know, this is a global issue. This isn't just here in the U.S. And, you know, people have migrated all around the world. So it's, it's important for us to learn one another's um, cultures. And and how things are done. I, so I know I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. So please go ahead.
0: Sure. Um, you know I like to share these kind of um, cultural differences that I noticed you know, after I come here. So I think I find them uh, sometimes interesting. Uh, for example, we would use seats to elderly uh, on public transportation on bus on train, and uh, whether they are designated senior priority seat or not, it doesn't really matter because from our education we were taught to to do so. And it also goes without saying that uh, elderly enjoy many um, benefits, such as uh, discounted pricing that is good uh, for many uh, services offered by the public or even private uh, places. Um, And also, every year, the government would celebrate um, um, having these uh, elderly for our society and then gives us uh, subsidiaries to old people. And we even have a holiday. It's um um a holiday to honor elderly and the list goes on and on. So um I love that. We, yeah, um you know having a holiday for maybe we should uh, have a holiday for Alzheimer's patients and caregivers, uh, you know, one day hopefully.
1: Yeah.
0: Um to bring the um to bring up the awareness. And um <clears throat> Uh, Some people probably have heard about this. Um, In Asia, we have an old saying that um, an old person is like uh, a treasure to the family, and uh, old people serve as our role models, and and they are generally uh, more knowledgeable and experienced. Um, Young people are taught to listen to their elderly at home and uh, to treat them with respect and uh, tender care. So um, that's pretty much... uh, what we have in society um, um, in Taiwan. And um, from a personal uh, um, point of view, uh, elderly are um, uh, always um, close to my heart. Um, As far as I can remember, the last time um, an old person uh, lived with our family was like more than 20 years ago. And that person was my grandma. I I remember in her uh, last years, um, she had several health issues, um, um, uh, including diabetes, tremor, and loss of um, mobility and um, some type of dementia. I don't know exactly what it is because I was young and I didn't have enough uh, medical background, but uh, she had some type of dementia. And my mother was, the main caregiver to her and I remember this one time my grandma complained uh, to everybody about not giving anything to eat and I was shocked and I thought uh, well if this was true then uh, it would be a serious negligence on my mother's part apparently and of course I didn't believe my mother would do so but however it turned out that my grandma did get a meal Finishing it, and in just an hour or so, uh, she already forgot about it, uh, and she wasn't hungry. She just forgot about you know having eaten already, and um, so because of this, and then of course some other um, scenarios, some other scenes episodes that I won't mention here, um, my grandma held negative feelings, unfortunately, against my mother, um, and. On the other hand, my mother understood that um, these misconceptions came from her illness and continue uh, to take good care of my grandma uh, regardless. So actually, um, I still feel sad and um, I I feel sorry for my grandma and I I feel very sorry for my mom. And I realized at that moment uh, caregiving is never easy. And I want to salute all the caregivers today, uh, especially to uh, Alzheimer's disease. Um, And today, some 20 years later, um, these kind of uh, uh, things still happen around me. For example, my uncle uh, recently had uh, dementia, and he's still uh, at the early stage. And he is just in his 70s. And there's another relative of mine uh, who suffers from uh, many years uh, from Alzheimer's, and she's uh, in her 80s and it's probably close to 90. Uh, the the fact is, um, a lot of people are affected by some type of dementia, um, including Alzheimer's, and pretty much everybody knows somebody directly or indirectly that is uh, affected by Alzheimer's. So, given my personal experience, um. I think Alzheimer's is close to my heart, and as a research fellow right now at Harvard, I feel really blessed to have uh, great opportunities to uh, tackle neurological disorders uh, firsthand, head-on, and um, uh, continue to work towards potential uh, therapeutics
1: wonderful. Well why don't you so you've definitely got the connection you've got the the heart and the soul and, and not just the scientist's connection to this which is a, you know to me it's just nice to see and nice to hear um to be able to have that mix. So why don't you tell us about your your research and your company and and how it can help those affected by Alzheimer's disease or or dementia. Okay.
0: Um let me Tell you a little bit about uh, what we do in the lab and how we tackle uh, Alzheimer's um, from our end. Um, so let me give you a little bit of background about uh, Alzheimer's. I believe most audience uh, is familiar with Alzheimer's disease, but I want to uh, just kind of um, brief you again uh, regarding this disease uh, in layman's terms, of course. Uh, learning and memory are embedded in the high wiring uh, of our brain. Um, so. You are born with those networks uh, in your brain. And brain cells form connections, intricate connections, or uh, as we call synapses with each other to communicate. And our experiences and interactions with the world uh, trigger uh, many changes as synapses that are critical, very critical for proper brain development and uh, higher cognitive functions. And our laboratory uh, is very interested in the identification of genes that affect inept development of refinement and plasticity or the so-called learning and memory. Because of the central role that these proteins play in establishing the proper circuitry of the brain, uh, mutations in these proteins can often lead to the development of uh, neurological diseases, including AD. So uh, four years ago, when I came to the Greenberg Laboratory, I started to look for genes that are important for regulating synapses or connections between brain cells, uh, as I just mentioned. To leave no stone unturned, we decided to set up a large-scale screen to examine all the genes in a genome for a totally, uh, uh, total number of about 15,000 genes or so, and that's how many uh, we have as a human. And our strategy actually is very simple. Uh, first we take brain cells from laboratory mice or rats and maintain these cells in a dish. Then we take out a gene of interest from these cells and ask how that manipulation affects connections between brain cells. So this is all done in vitro. And sometimes when the gene is removed from the cells, the cells start to grow capable of altering uh, synaptic connections are likely candidates involved in a disease process. And currently, uh, we have uh, identified quite a few genes of this category and are still making some progress with our screening. And uh, how are we going to make use of this discovery? Uh, basically making a list of such genes can facilitate our understanding towards uh, many neurological diseases. And, of course, it will take many years to realize the result. And very soon now, we realize that um, the same screening technology can be also used um, in finding drugs that alter brain cells connectivity, Uh, specifically drugs that can enhance the growth and connectivity of brain cells. Um, The way we do it is that uh, we simply add a drug to the brain cells uh, in a dish and then ask, if that drug makes brain cells grow better, very simple and very straightforward. And so far, we have tested thousands of drugs and find, uh, found quite a few that are potentially therapeutic for neurodegeneration. And in Alzheimer's, the uh, affected brain cells gradually lose their connections and they continue to wither and eventually die. And we tested our drug kits for their ability to rescue the injured Alzheimer's brain cells uh, in our AC. And the very exciting news is that many of them appear to make uh, Alzheimer's uh, brain cells grow better, at least in a dish. We believe we may have found some drugs that can be uh, potentially used to treat Alzheimer's. And although we have uh, just found these new drugs, and it will be uh, many years before any of them can um, hit the market. Uh, we are taking an important step in the right direction, I believe, and, and we also believe that in the future, uh, Alzheimer's patients who suffer from deteriorating cognitive functions may benefit from such drugs.
1: Wow, very! It's exciting to kind of hear the breakdown of of how it all works. And thanks. Can you? Um, and I know we really didn't talk about this before, but could you explain to us? Let's say once you actually find something that works, how long does it take you to get it to market? Once you really feel like you've you've got, you know, you've got all your ducks in order. What does that process take? Because everyone just talks about the length of time. Um, to get a drug to the market. And I know the research is so tedious and and so forth, but once you have something that you really think you're ready to, to ask for approval, can you give us a guesstimate, or does that really vary in terms of what it is you're submitting and when you submit it?
0: So um, when it comes to this topic, I mean, it may sound uh, depressing, uh, especially for patients who are eager to get their hands on a cure. Um, especially right now, there's no cure for Alzheimer's. Uh, they are only um, temporary relievers and stuff like that. So typically, a drug uh, takes about 12 to 15 years from uh, research to market. And And okay. uh, given, given what we have right now, um, it'll probably take another 10, 10 years or so um, if you're lucky. Uh, unfortunately, okay. that's the news. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have to make sure the drug is safe for people, and uh, it has to go through a, a series of a safety tests and uh, dosage tests and this and that. So um, unfortunately, we cannot um, make it happen any faster than that. Uh, otherwise, it might jeopardize many people's lives instead of curing them.
1: Uh, sure. Sure. Okay. Well, that's kind of what I thought, but I, it's just always nice to hear, and we always have different listeners. I also want to, um, again, remind listeners if they have questions along the way that you'd like to ask Rock, um, if you're listening by phone, just push one and you'll get into my queue. If you are um, on your computer, you can just type in a question or a comment in the chat box, and I'll be monitoring that. So I uh, wanted just to reiterate that again. So in finding um you know a a drug uh for for alzheimer's or, or memory loss you know how um how do i want to say this how do you feel your drug would be able to enhance the lives what are what are kind of your goals behind the drug in terms of what you're what you're searching for or does that ebb and flow with uh-huh. you know w- where your research leads you in terms of what you can expect
0: uh, actually, uh, as I just mentioned, there is currently no cure for Alzheimer's, and it's kind of uh, surprising uh, to me when I first entered this field. And because of the industry, and as well as academia, uh, has been focusing on Alzheimer's for a decade or two, and um, their effort, um, the amount of their effort is tremendous, but yet there's no cure at this point. So this field has been uh, uh, been uh, proven to be very difficult to tackle with and, um, and people start to question uh, our conventional thoughts on uh, how to find a cure for Alzheimer's and then all our theories behind uh, the treatment. So people right now are trying to find uh, novel therapies uh, and try to look at this, this problem from different angles. And right now, the existing therapies uh, for Alzheimer's only provide temporary symptom relief or slow down the uh, progression of Alzheimer's uh, before they stop working altogether, actually. And the um, pharmaceutical industry, uh, my understanding is that for many years, uh, focuses on the um, Alzheimer's disease pathway, the pathway itself, and tries to remove uh, harmful substances uh, such as uh, beta-amyloid Uh, from the patient's brain, and however, this conventional approach uh, has not been uh, very fruitful. And the problem is the brain cells, uh, once injured, uh, do not grow back to normal anymore, and even after the removal of uh, the uh, toxic substances. And I think the problem is that in Alzheimer's, the, the lost connections and processes of injured brain cells do not automatically grow back by themselves even when um, the uh, exogenous disease-causing factors are removed from the system. So uh, let me just use an analogy to further explain this um, in a layman's terms. Imagine that Alzheimer is a poisonous snake. It bites a person's finger, and of course the, the finger turns red and black and blue, and the finger is lost because of the venom. And, and now the industry is saying, hey, uh, let's get rid of the snake. Neutralize the venom. It give the patient some kind of pen killers to reduce a pain or some eyes to slow down the circulation so the venom doesn't spread out so, so fast. And guess what? With all these matters, uh, the finger simply does not grow back by itself. And in contrast to the conventional thinking, uh, our current strategy uh, is very different. We try to develop magic dust that help uh, the damaged finger grow back. In fact, um, uh, in our hands, um, those drugs not only help the damaged fingers grow back, they even help grow additional fingers and arms. Uh, in other words, our drugs not only make injured brain cells grow back to normal, in fact, under certain conditions, uh, depending on the concentration and the duration of time, such as uh, uh, such things. The, the drug-treated Alzheimer's brain cells uh, grow even better than normal cells, surprisingly. Or you can call ah. them uh, brain cells on steroids, yes. And, of course, uh, this is good and, in some aspects, it's probably bad because people would start to question, hey, what if you? Uh, what if they grow too fast and they won't stop and they become cancer, right? So uh, mm-hmm. that's two that's, uh, too uh, When they grow so fast, that's one possibility, but that is not our concern right now. Right now, we just want to reverse the neurodegeneration in Alzheimer's. Uh, That's our Yeah. And um, these growth-stimulating drugs are so powerful that they work even with the continuous presence of the toxic, the so-called toxic beta amyloid. Uh, you don't even have to remove the toxic uh, substance from the brain or from around the cells. Uh, it doesn't matter because these drugs can override the toxic effect and then somehow bring the cells back to normal. So these uh, drug-treated brain cells regrow their uh, loss processes and remake their connections. And it is uh, likely that these once injured brain cells might be able to communicate with each other again. Of course, at this point, we don't know for sure uh, More tests need to be done, but that's our best guess. And when that happens, the patient's impaired uh, cognitive functions could possibly be restored too, and that's our hope. And now we are gearing up to test these drugs further in, uh, of course, disease animals, and uh, hopefully uh, to eventually put them to human clinical trials as soon as possible.
1: Very exciting very exciting stuff. Can you can you tell me, you know, what's the biggest surprise or compliment that that you've seen or heard regarding your your research and the path you're going down?
0: Um yeah, that's an interesting question. Um actually, uh, because our approach is rather novel and um so when people first heard about this they will say, oh, wow, uh, this is interesting, and they, they always like to learn more. And um, one thing I want to point out first is that um, what makes our technology unique uh, is that our drug screening platform uh, utilizes uh, authentic uh, or real brain cells uh, freshly isolated from, uh, from the mammals. So when a drug effect is evaluated uh, in the assay, There is uh, little to no artifact and we can obtain a very high confidence result and we are uh, proud to establish this uh, very first large scale drug screening system using real brain cells uh, in the world. And for the first time, um, we are able to test thousands and thousands of drugs in a very short time uh, for their uh, uh, potential uh, therapeutic effect on brain cells. And in the past, uh, actually, such drug evaluation uh, using real brain cells was painstakingly uh, slow uh, because it was very laborious to carry out. Uh, without going to the details, let me just say that the procedure typically involves lots of uh, cell culture work, um, gene manipulation, or uh, drug manipulation in a culture, and uh, high-resolution bioimaging meaning a person has to sit down uh, in front of a microscope and look for cells to image and then analyze the images and data and so on. So now we can use uh, automated microscopes and robots to perform most of the tasks. And uh, in this way, uh, it saves a lot of time and effort. So right now our first um, disease indication is uh, Alzheimer's because of its high impact and uh, mathematical needs, as I just pointed out, there's no cure at this point. And however, our technology could be very useful for other neurodegenerative uh, disorders as well uh, because uh, our drug screening platform is uh, very good at spotting uh, neuronal growth-stimulating drugs. And in the future, we'd like to also explore different areas uh, such as uh, other types of dementia and even autism epilepsy, uh, depression, or uh, Parkinson's. And uh, in addition to our unique technology, we also have uh, multiple drugs at hand that are unique. In that, none of the uh, FDA-approved drugs uh, for Alzheimer's uh, work like ours. Uh, Nearly all the existing drugs uh, seek to reduce the symptoms uh, or try to slow down the progression of Alzheimer's they don't help injured brain cells grow better they just uh, mitigate the symptoms and there's a big difference so there's currently only one drug that sort of resembles our idea of stimulating the growth of brain cells as a cure however unlike ours uh, that drug is actually a very large protein it's not a small molecule so you cannot swallow it as a pill and you cannot um uh, also, you know, for example, inject that to your uh, blood vessels. Uh, no, it, it takes um, major surgery uh, to put that drug into your brain. So you pretty much have to punch a hole in your skull. So um, this is um, a problem. And also, this drug is uh, not a very specific drug, it has a very broad spectrum uh, of targets. And um, for that reason as well, so this is not a good drug. And our drugs are better in a sense that they are all small and very simple molecules, um, but as a definition of um, uh, the industry, they are typical drugs and so they can reach the brain more easily and they also have a rather specific and a very well defined target and working mechanism. So the uh, side effects are more manageable because we understand them much more. Compared to other
1: drugs. Wow, that's really interesting. The the diff- you know, I guess I never thought of the delivery system. Um, you know, you, you just kind of everyone's waiting for a cure and and how it works. But but your your company is really doing some very different things um, than than the norm out there. And so that's 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 exciting in having it be explained the way you did. In terms of instead of just kind of um, dealing with with what's there and trying to reduce the symptoms, you're, I mean you're stimulating actual brain cell growth, and then having it be as small as it is will make it much more um, user friendly del- for the delivery system, which is which is pretty exciting. Can you tell us? Uh, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's got to be some challenges out there with developing, you know, the research and, and moving forward with with um, all you've got in, in place. So, can you can you share with us um, maybe some of the difficulties that you have in the process?
0: Sure. Uh, before I answer this question, I'd like to address the uh, the point I just mentioned: the uh, difficulty in delivering uh, a drug to the brain. Um, so, for uh, this is a, a big problem for all of the CNS diseases. That is, uh, how we find an effective way to uh, uh, put the drug into the brain of a patient uh, without uh, going through a major surgery. And this mm-hmm. has been a very active area of research and uh, as well as for drug delivery. Um, so it's it's tough. That's why uh, I'm saying that our company or our strategy is focusing on small molecules because the smaller the molecule is, uh, the more likely it is to go through the, the, the blood brain barrier, the, the barrier that stops uh, big molecules from entering the brain. So the smaller, the better in general. And that's why we don't um, we we don't go after proteins, we don't go after vaccines uh, as some companies do. We go straight to small molecules because uh, once they hit the market, they will be easier for uh, patients uh, to take, and then uh, hopefully be more effective. So now let me get to your second question. So um so in terms of the challenges we face or we encounter during the process. Uh, Yeah, of course, it's just like uh, uh, every other uh, research out there. Um, One thing in particular is that brain cells are very tricky uh, to be maintained um, in vitro for a long time uh, once they leave the animal's body, Uh, unlike cell lines. You know, cell lines are uh, cancer, they they grow indefinitely uh, in the culture system. But brain cells are very different they are uh, they are delicate uh, delicate and uh, they are fragile and in our assay um, to achieve a high throughput, uh, we need to split brain cells into uh small quantities and keep each alcohol in a tiny space for two to three weeks or so. Um, this is very difficult, and we simply don't like that, and there are other issues as well. Without going into details, uh, let me just say that um, we spent about three years or so full time uh, focusing on the technology to overcome various uh, technical challenges and eventually build this technology to our satisfaction. Of course, there's there's still room for improvement, but at this point, it's uh, been very useful. And and Now we can screen about 18,000 compounds a month uh, using just one machine, and of course, this number can go up if you buy more machines apparently. And when we just uh, started building our technology a few years ago, uh, two other top Harvard laboratories were also trying to do the same or similar, Uh, however, in the end, uh, they both failed, and uh, because uh, it's quite hard, and in industry, some top pharmaceutical companies uh, also tried, um, but also failed. Um, they actually, one of them actually approached us in hopes of uh, learning the ropes in terms of how to set up the technology and how to screen through uh, using the cells. And um, when it happened, uh, we know that we are onto the right track because of these uh, competitions. So far, we still keep the know-how to ourselves. To ensure a strong competitive edge, and we are working hard to use this technology to come up with new drugs. And in addition to the uh, challenges we face, um, when building this technology. Uh, funding is uh, particularly uh, an issue. So right now, the, the funding entirely comes from the research grant of uh, Greenberg Laboratory, and. Um, uh, I want to mention that uh, Michael Greenberg is uh, a well-established uh, and a, uh, respected scientist, and um, he's very devoted to the basic research of brand development. And honestly, um, with, without him and or his help, and our current progress would not be even possible. And I feel really fortunate uh, to be able to work with him uh, in his laboratory. And I I I expect to uh, continue to work uh, with him uh, in the years uh, to come. And now uh, with our proprietary technology and the new compounds uh, for Alzheimer's, and we feel that it is um, the right time to pay these breakthroughs a step further. We want to uh, continue our effort uh, in the industry because we feel that. This is the best way to facilitate the drug development from where we stand right now and to uh, the, uh, the reverse uh, drug testing in Palermo. And um, because of that, we decided to found our own company and uh, because we know this technology and a drug candidates are better than anybody else. And the number of drugs we identify and the amount of follow up work required to advance drug development from this stage to next have gone beyond the scope of academic settings because our drug screen technology is so powerful that we actually obtain more than enough drug heads in our hands. And we are totally tied up in analyzing these drugs and doing follow up work. So. We sort of become uh, a victim of our own success, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, if we want to bring these exciting and uh, promising drugs uh, to the uh, Alzheimer's uh, patients as soon as possible, we think the best way is to gather all the resources and uh, do it in a company, not in a laboratory uh, anymore. And um. So we also plan to license the drug screen technology and the rights to further uh, drug development from Harvard Medical School and uh, to use uh, in our company. And what we plan to do uh, next is to test these drugs uh, in animals, specifically uh, in Alzheimer's uh, animal models, and there are a lot of them, uh, actually more than 100 of them. So these animals are genetically modified to mimic the symptoms of Alzheimer's. Although I just point out here that none of them is perfect, and none of them really 100% recapitulate the symptoms of Alzheimer's in humans. However, they are very useful tools. Uh, they can provide a lot of insight as to how a drug works and how a drug might affect the, the outcome um, of Alzheimer's. So uh, we already know that uh, our drugs make brain cells grow better. And now we also want to know if and how they improve cognitive functions and memory. So uh, in order to do that, uh, we need to uh, carry out a series of tests in animals. And there's no way that we can model it uh, in vitro using uh, real brain cells to dissociate cells uh, from uh, mammalian uh, animals. So our preliminary uh, results from the vitro studies are very promising and that we have high hopes for uh, the preclinical trials. Um, So the challenge or the hurdle we face right now is raising enough capital for our startup. And um, this is not an easy task apparently, especially in this weak economy. Uh, So uh, even finding a job is not easy anymore. So uh, the venture capitals uh, generally think us too early, too risky uh, as an investment. And although when they hear from uh, us, they are always very excited about uh, our progress and the effort we made and also our novel thinking and our uh, current uh, uh, strategy. And that said, they still wouldn't want to invest in us. So because I don't blame them. So uh, this is also new to me because uh, I understand they have a financial goals to meet. Uh, uh, they are a venture capital, after all. They have to make big money. But and to them, this is probably just a business. Uh, Unfortunately to them. And however, I think what we plan to do here is more than just a business Uh, because we are doing it for a good cause. And we are trying to find a cure for um, millions and millions of Alzheimer's patients. And we all have loved ones who are affected by this disease. And we want a cure for them, not because we want to make big money out of this. Of course not. Uh, I I think uh, by sitting up a company and doing follow-up work for these uh, preliminary drugs um, we can certainly help a lot of patients waiting for cure, at least give them some hope. And uh, we can ease the burdens of many more caregivers as well. And I believe as long as we keep telling the world about our story, uh, our progress, our strategy, uh, our plan, and even the challenges and struggles that we faced, uh I, I believe we will find more and more people uh who are willing to believe in us, uh, believe in what we're doing right now, and believe in our determination to bring uh, a cure for Alzheimer's and are willing to support us uh, in whatever way.
1: Wonderful. Well, it's very interesting to hear. Now, we do have a question, and um, Mary Ann wanted to ask, does your small protein drug pass through the blood-brain barrier? Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, so, we just to give it an idea about how many. Uh, so if we run the screen blindly, oh, that, that means without knowing their identity, we just run them through our screen, um, actually, for those effective drugs, roughly half of them, and naturally, cross blood-brain barrier without any difficulty. So they don't need any further modification. They can just Go through blood-brain barrier, and those drugs' uh, uh, blood-brain barrier permeability has been reported, documented, and tested again and again. So about half of them can go through that, and for the other half, they are too big, uh, too bulky to go through blood-brain barrier. Uh, there are some ways to tackle this issue. We can modify it and, uh, and try to come up with some other ways, but. Um, that is not a major concern right now because first thing first you want to make sure the drug is effective. Then we consider uh a better way to deliver it to the brand. But yeah, roughly speaking, half of them can just go through broadband barrier without any issue. And then top, pretty much our top candidates uh can all go through bottom barrier without any problem.
1: Okay, wonderful. I had um Doctor uh, William Fry from um Minnesota on, well, actually Liz California, he's, he's got studies all over, and he's doing some stuff with uh, insulin, um, and has been very, you know, per, you know, promising on that with kind of the nasal sprays, and, you know, so people are interested, you know, are you thinking pill form, are you thinking nasal spray, are you, I've seen ones where they shoot them into the spine of the neck and turn them upside down, and there's, you know, so many different different things out there. Do you you have any idea at this point or it still has to proceed further before you can really make that call or maybe it's something you don't even want to state at this point just um, due to your, you know, trying to keep things with a competitive edge? Oh,
0: uh, so I can share some information. Uh, So, of course, the hope is to uh, come up with uh, a pill. Uh, You swallow pills, take it with your meal, and that's it. The, the drug will just go to a brain and work, and uh, just like uh, many uh, anti-depression drugs. So uh, that's our hope. And it appears that uh, many of our drug candidates uh, work that way um, from our understanding. So um, I don't think drug delivery is a big issue for us, at least for what we have at hand right now. Um, okay. So so, and then also I want to mention that two of the drug compounds are natural compounds, meaning they are metabolized or they are from, uh, they are extract, they are from the natural extract. So they can be considered food supplements. So, and we hope that uh, someday we can uh, have something that is um, just like, you know, like glucosamine or uh, vitamin, that kind of food supplement that you can buy over the counter, and just take a pill, and then it will just work magic. Of course, that's a high hope, but uh, that's the direction we're heading.
1: Okay. i um, got another question for you here. They were wondering if you have um, an option or, or any ideas as to what causes Alzheimer's.
0: Uh, that is the... Um, million
1: dollar question or billion dollar <laughs> <So, laughs> question. She's wonderful with her questions. So um but do you, do you have anything that you kinda lean towards one way or the other?
0: Uh the funny thing is that um since uh, although we have done a lot regarding uh, finding a cure, but actually mm-hmm. Finding the cause of the disease is not our first priority at this point, and it's not a concern because, again, I just mentioned that our approach is very different from the industry and from everybody mm-hmm. else. So we try not to fall into that kind of uh, group thinking. And now, you know, there are several major theories uh, as to what causes Alzheimer's, and I believe. There might not be a single cause, meaning that it's probably more than it takes more than one gene to cause a disease. Uh, it involves many players uh, in the disease, so it's hard. First, first thing first, it's hard to tackle that many genes at the same time. And second, uh-huh. um, we try to look at the end result, is instead of the cause. So we only care about the therapeutic result from these drugs. If those drugs are effective, we don't really care they work on Disease pathway A or disease pathway B or C or you know, at this point it's not important. As long as it's effective, as long as their side effects are manageable and acceptable, we'll just go ahead with these drugs. So it doesn't matter. We can deal with the drug targets and mechanisms and how they work, why they are they work magic later on. Uh, that is not the major issue. For example, I just a analogy for example, we know lithium has been used to treat depression for many, many years. It's very safe and it's effective. But if you ask people, how does it work? What is the target? I mean, nobody really knows. So, and still, FDA approves it. And it's been used on humans and it's been effective. So, again, I just want to use this analogy to say that our drugs are working similarly that way. We don't open up the black box. We don't try to understand why Alzheimer's uh, uh, is doing this and that. But we try to... Uh, reverse the phenotype over the, the diseases without opening up the black box, so to speak.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, great. Can you can you tell our listeners, you know, how they would access more information about, um, you, you know, you and your company? Where would sure. they go? Uh,
0: uh, right now, uh, as I just mentioned, we are trying to raise enough startup capital. And uh, we're still in the progress of it. We have some leads, but uh, it's quite difficult. So right now, everything's on paper. And whatever we do right now is in the laboratory. So Michael Wimber's laboratory is supporting uh, the research, the continued research. So, um, but people can still find us uh, on our website. We set up a website, and the website address is newrock.us. Let me spell it for you. It's N-E-U-R-O-X. Dot U-S-N-E-U-R-O-F dot U-S-N-E-U-R-O-F. And I encourage people who are interested in uh, learning more to contact me uh, through the website information. And you can also find some, uh, uh, some abstract or uh, useful information from the website as to how our uh, drugs work and how they enhance those brain cells. They can see how brain cells grow back and how robust uh, their uh, dendrites and synapses are, for example. And um, we are preparing to test our drugs in our pre-clinical trials, uh, at least in academia uh, setting. And we will need all the resources we can come up with, uh, no matter what they are. And if people want to support us in whatever way, uh, please don't hesitate to drop me uh, an email. Uh, You can find my email address on the website as well. And I'm more than happy to share more about our story. And i also like to hear from uh, Alzheimer's patients and caretakers uh, and even researchers or whoever cares about this disease uh, in general, uh, just let's exchange uh, thoughts and share stories. I believe the more people uh, who care about what we're doing, the faster for us to move forward. And again, we need to gather everything we could possibly get uh, in order to move forward. Uh, and I want you, uh, to tell you our website again, and just just in case you missed it. It's neurox.us, N E U R O X dot U S. Thank you.
1: Wonderful. Now, Marianne, Mary Beth's got another question here, and she is just asking yes. for clarification. So are you, te- are, you know, are what you're doing, are you testing, is it all natural, or is it, nu- t- I've never heard this word before, so maybe you can explain what it is, and maybe I'm crucifying it, but nutraceuticals? Uh, so, I-
0: yes. uh, mm-hmm. so basically, it, this is a gray area, uh, it's just like all food supplements. Um, some people call them uh, nutraceuticals, that means um, they are nutrition and um they are also potential um uh drugs basically uh, if you want to say but so this way they combine these two words together and become a neutral supercose uh but to claim that uh uh the natural compound or food supplement has um therapeutic uh effect is um it's, it's a great zone you know FDA uh does not like that. And because um, there's not enough evidence to support these kind of claims in general. So uh, when you market this kind of uh, product um, unlabeled, usually you would say it's not clinically proven, uh, you know, uh, dosages have not been established, you take this uh, at your own risk, things like that. So, um, so yes and no. But at the same time, I would say some of them might be effective. It's just that they haven't gone do uh, enough rigorous test, so the manufacturers cannot say for sure that it's effective or not. And people just take these uh, because they hope that they will work, but whether they work or not, really nobody knows. And then, um, so when in the future when we have similar products like this, we'll try to be, be very careful. And Of course, we are not going to market something that we claim that could be potentially therapeutic at the same time, just nothing about it. We, of course, we are going to continue the clinical trials in the background, but before they are finished, we still like to um, uh, put this uh, product in the market so that people can start taking it as long as they are safe, uh, but we cannot say they are therapeutic, of course. Uh, before they go through the whole, uh, you know, phase one, two, three trials, um, and I want to point out that actually two, at least at this moment, two of the drug compounds uh, we identified are natural compounds. They are not synthesized from uh, the factory. No, they are purified from food or purified from uh, plants. So. Um, And we know the identities of these two, so we know they are relatively safe. So they can be uh, digested by humans, and um, there are no reported side effects at this point. But whether they can effectively cure Alzheimer's, of course, we don't know for sure at this point. Many things need to be done. But uh, they are... uh, they are very different from traditional drugs, so to speak. So, they are not as effective uh, if you take them and put them in a dish to see how brains grow better. They usually have a lower affinity. However, they are considered uh, safer. Uh, so, that's why some people prefer uh, herbal therapies or um, that kind of herbal treatment. And uh, these two might be preferred in the future as well for some people. And the other or the major category of our drug, finding, drug finds um, is uh, small molecules. Those are synthetic molecules, small molecules. Uh, you don't find those in, uh, in nature. So these are typical drugs and most of our drugs are like this. So, um, so this is more uh, conventional and um, we hope um, we can explore the potential of these drugs. And it, uh, one thing probably is probably not made clear in my previous uh, talk is that these drugs, actually, we started by screening known drugs, that is, FDA approved drugs, clinical drugs, or some of them are clinical dropouts. The reason why we screen these known drugs is because um, these drugs uh, are safer, uh, and most of them have been used uh, in humans for treating different uh, diseases other than CNS disease or Alzheimer's, apparently. So we screen those drugs, and we find novel uses for these existing drugs. And uh, um, some people call it repurposing, repurposing a drug. We find novel purpose for these existing drugs. So since these drugs have already passed a lot of safety tests, so uh, it will be easier for us to follow up the um, the work, and then also uh, it will be easier to carry out the uh, animal tests, and the the chance of success, of course, is higher uh, as a result because they have been uh, uh, proven to some degree. And right now, we just want to test these listening to us in um, their effect of uh, treating Alzheimer's. And uh, once that is proven, we will probably uh, try to screen additional drugs based on these known drugs or the so-called chemical derivatives. They are based on the structure of these known drugs or these are prototypic drugs. And then we will try uh, to market those drugs.
1: Okay, now um, we've got another question here, and that is, so can a pharmaceutical company, um, can they patent how they process a natural product to make it perform better and then have the right to a financial claim um in its marketing.
0: Uh I believe you can pattern the formula containing those uh natural compounds. The formula itself, but not a compound itself. The formula, the combination of ingredients. And okay. Uh, that's
1: Okay. And that's yeah, you know, probably a a lawyer question too. So <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna Tie in too much with that, but was a, it was an interesting question, so I thought I would throw that out there well can you um can you tell us what if anything um you know the disease itself has taught you in your life
0: um, well, sure answer is um a lot so so the, the disease is um as I just mentioned that it happens to alzheimer's disease that happens to a lot of people we know and Uh, This dementia also happened to my relatives. And actually, it could happen to any of us, you know. And more and more people are getting it. And uh, maybe one day I will get it too because, you know, two of my relatives uh, got it. And so I'm thinking maybe it runs in the family. So I might as well work very hard on finding a cure right now just in case, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) So we should all try our best tackle uh, this problem or at least uh, show our support, uh, whatever that might be, uh, big or small, I think anything will help at this stage because, honestly, we have nothing in terms of uh, effective cure right now. So anything will be good. And also given the, the, um, the economic weather right now, uh, and also the budget issues that uh, the government has. Uh, the research budget is going to be cut uh, uh, in the next few years. Um, it's been very difficult already, and now it's getting even more difficult. So we really need your support. And um, after so many years of research on, on Alzheimer's and the exact cause of the disease, it's still not completely understood, and we need more research in this area. And we like to have more people devoted to this area. And apparently, we still have much to learn about this disease. And the industry has been um uh, been in this mode of group thinking for too long. And I think it's time for us to think differently, think outside the box. And the so-called amyloid approach simply does not work too well. And um, as a result, uh, many pharmaceutical companies shy away from Alzheimer's treatment, and they turn to other genetics generic drugs or some other areas uh, where they can make uh, easier money and then uh, uh, make their money back uh, after they invest. So um, it's just uh, very unfortunate. But to come up with uh, more effective therapeutics, uh, we should uh, really think differently and come up with new theories, new strategies. And uh, I think that's the only way to change the reality. and to get us out of this uh, dilemma. And our brain cells on steroids approach may shed new light on how we fight this disease.
1: Okay. Well, it's, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that about, you know, the budget cuts. You know, you guys are going to be affected by by it just like everyone else is. Um, Because I think uh, so many people still think the government's going to take care of everything. And, you know, time is ticking. And, you know, it takes a village. You know, we all have to... Work together, but we also have to be creative, like you said, and think outside the box, um, you know, to get to get our goals accomplished here. And this, you know, the numbers are mounting, and it's it's definitely time to to work together on that. So, do you have any words of wisdom for someone who has been diagnosed with the disease at all?
0: Um, I, I always like to encourage people uh, because uh, there is always hope. Uh, no matter what the current situation is um, and the least thing we could do right now is really hope. Of course, we can do much more than that. Uh, You can uh, visit us and support us and uh, keeping a a very positive attitude is something we could do uh, from our end when the disease strikes us or uh, uh, the loved ones around us. And there are various means of diagnosis and treatment uh, available right now although they are not perfect, but uh, they are the the available options for um, the patients right now. And uh, we should um, keep ourselves updated uh, and keep ourselves aware of the information, aware of these options, and um, keep up with the, uh, the newest development of therapeutics and also the news from the academia and the basic research. And most important of all, to reach out, to show your support. That's what we need right now.
1: Okay. Um, one of our listeners um, wrote here, this is the uh, this type of peer research needs support. This is the freshest voice I've heard since I started listening. How do we support this? So why don't you, again, um, point our listeners into a direction where they can contact you and get more information if they would like to um, chat and um, be able to learn more details. I know that there's regulations around what you can and cannot do On a a public platform and so forth, and we want to respect all of that. Um, So, is it is the best route then for them just to go to the website, which is um, n e u r o x dot u s. Again, that's w w w dot n e u r o x dot u s and, um, and you had said earlier, that's probably the best best way for them to find you. Yes. Is that correct okay yes, good. Yes. Uh, um, i yeah heard... after I say it twice, you know <laughs> so,
0: uh, the, the, um, the is there are uh, a few things that we cannot really uh discuss in public uh because of the uh regulations um. So, but I'm more than happy to answer all your scientific questions or uh, your other requests and anything at all. Uh, we can even just make friends, uh, and then because we're in the same community, and I really encourage people to write to me, uh, and then we'll just uh, discuss about uh, new ideas and then share thoughts. Um, it doesn't really matter whether
1: you can really, um,
0: you know, sponsor us in you know in. in a well,
1: no. um, it doesn't matter who we can just make friends. Sure. Now, I'm, I'm on your site in the contact information. If people want to email you directly and don't want to even go there first, it's just info at and then N-E-U-R-O-X dot U-S. That's info at N-E-U-R-O-X dot U-S. Um, there's also a fax number down there, too, if somebody wanted to shoot a fax, which is 815-425-8773. And um, Rock would be more than glad to, to talk with you. Um It's been just such a pleasure having you on the show. You're really making a, a huge difference in terms of the world of dementia there. And, you know, I always ask the question of, you know, how are you... Personally raising awareness and improving the lives of those with dementia and you you know You've showed us a bright path of what you're doing, but is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, to let our, our listeners know kind of what your goals are and and what you're doing
0: Sure, uh, I'd like to share a few final words Um that is um Of course, I got a PhD but I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a, a scientist uh, who um Happens to stumble upon uh, great opportunities uh, like this to take on this disease uh, these head on. And um, um, I believe is my uh, destiny, so to speak, uh, if you will. And there are a lot of researchers uh, as well, like me, working in basic research uh, to fight diseases and with or without the spotlight. And I, I think I like to bring people's attention to them as well because they all deserve the credit and the topics of continuous support. And our, our team at Harvard has been working very hard on unraveling the mechanisms under our brain diseases.
1: Although we are
0: still uh, at a very early stage, uh, we are making a good progress and we are continuing to make good progress. And we are ready to uh, uh, make more by planning to launch our own venture. And I, 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 we will continue to devote ourselves to further drug development uh, leading to potential dementia treatment. And we are very, very optimistic about the future. And I, I'd like to thank you for the support in advance. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you. I, I just find it so exciting. And again, I just kind of want to summarize a, a little bit of what we talked about and, and very briefly, but um, Rock's uh, research at Harvard um, with his Team and um, and then your your company neurox um, is doing some really exciting things and you've you've basically developed a, a drug that stimulates brain cell growth in a very small molecule so it'll be easy for various delivery systems and platforms and it's it's so nice to hear that you actually have a problem with you've found several different drugs um, and you have to kind of be able to pin down and choose which ones to explore just because of costs and stuff. Um, but that's very, very promising for us who are, who are listening um, to, to your work and what you're doing. And I, I very much thank you for all of the time that you've taken with us today. And um, I, I just can't thank you enough for being on the show. It's been very interesting. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and, and wrap up the show unless there's anything else you want to add. Okay, uh, one last crack here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um that that's pretty much all I have to say today. And thank you so much for having me on the show, Lori. Thank you so much.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. And thank all of our listeners too for being with us today and the fantastic questions that rolled in. Um we do have some shows lined up and um um December 6th, I'm, I'm still getting used to saying December, at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, and 8 a.m. Pacific time, I'm going to have Jutta Logavig on. And she has opened up a couple of Alzheimer's cafes. So we're going to have a discussion about the Alzheimer's cafes and the memory cafes. And then Alan Arnett's going to um, pop in too and give us an update because he is done with his 7th um, Summit climb. And then on December 13th, Mark Wortman, who is the executive director of Alzheimer's Disease International, will be on the show. On the 20th, um, I'm going to have the author Michael Karsemeier, um, and he's going to be talking about walking in their shoes. And then on the 27th, I have somebody who's going to be talking about dance movement for people with dementia. And on the 5th, um, uh, of January, oh my gosh, where did the year go? I'll be having... Craig uh, Partel on, and he will be talking about medical concierge services. So we've got some fun things. Plus, I've got lots of neat people um, that I'm talking to about getting on the show. So again, thank you so much for listening. If you are memory impaired and interested in sharing your story with the world, I would love, love, love to talk with you. And maybe you could be our next guest, or maybe you're a caregiver. That has um, a unique perspective and tips that might be able to help somebody else. I'm always looking for people who are in the trenches with this, along with the business professionals. As always, I just want to remind everyone to focus on those three simple things when you're interacting with someone with dementia. And the the three things are: Are they safe? Are they happy? Are They Pain-Free? And you can get that memory chip tool on my website at www.alzheimerspeaks.com. Thank you again all for listening and have a blessed day. Please think ahead to go ahead and we'll catch you at the next show. Bye.